Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. Jason Roundsville here, joined as always by my co-host Dylan Ray. We have with us from Canada, we have Ken Taylor, a member, measure, and uh, Ken's just one of those guys who has a lot of stories, and we thought that you all would like to hear him, and I'm, I can't wait to hear some of these. Ken, welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> and then, nice who, to be here. Absolutely. Now, who do we have with you there today? Oh, beside me, we're... Um... We're way south of where we usually live. To some people, this still would be north, but to me, it's really south. And it's my wife beside me. Yeah. Gotcha. So now, when when you say you're south, where is home? Just to give people well, an idea of when when you because you know it's all about perspective. And when you say south, it's a little bit different than most people are thinking. So when I say south, I'm in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, we live. Um, in a tiny uh, a Cree community, uh, technically speaking, I guess you would you would say it's a, a native reservation, but it's uh, we call it a community, and it's um, it's on the southern tip of James Bay, and James Bay is the uh, southernmost bay of the Arctic Ocean, so it's uh, we've only had a road for 21 years, so we've only lived there full time for 22 years. Before that, we kept a close connection to it, but uh, we couldn't be there 12 months of the year. Okay, so up on the Arctic Ocean, on the southern yeah, point it, of the Arctic Ocean. That's pretty yeah, north. Yeah, it's uh, 
Wiscaganish. It's actually pretty close. An interesting thing about that, it's kind of the, the line between the uh, boreal forests and the, um, uh, the marine Arctic. Uh, for instance, uh, we have beavers, but we also have seals. We have uh, red foxes. We also have Arctic foxes. Uh, we have black bears, and it's the southernmost point where the polar bear ranges. So every once in a oh, while, cool. the uh, yeah, every once in a while, the uh, public security director or someone has to uh, shoot a polar bear that ventures too close to the community, and wow. uh, I usually get I usually get the skin them. <laughs> nice. So I'll tell there, you what, there's some big. Yeah, go uh, ahead. We we like polar bears. We like our yeah. polar bear in the office so much that we tra- we we took him from Minnesota to reno nevada last year just to show him off that's how proud we are of our polar bear now jason i've got a couple things um before we get too far into this because i i am excited about this i think we've got a lot of stories to tell but before we get too far into this i've got to make mention of something we just announced that at the convention in reno um which is april 12th through the 15th we have the very, very unique pleasure of getting to announce the recipient of the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship. Yes. Um, you're going to bring them up on stage and, and get to announce the winner. And hopefully the winner can be there with us. If not, it'll still be exciting. So, guys, if you know anybody who is yes. going into a conservation um, job, a park ranger or anything of the sort, Fisheries, make sure and wildlife. head to – yeah. Yeah, make sure yeah. and head to johnvmesh.org and get that application uh, entered for to, to receive that scholarship because uh, we at Pope and Young, um, we think very highly of those guys and we can't wait to be a, a part of this. So uh, make sure and get those, those entries in. Also, you've got one more day. It ends tomorrow. We've got a hat sale going on on our website, pope-young.org. 40% off all hats. And I didn't tell Jason I was going to do this, but I'm going to because I told him that I wanted one of these hats, this style of hat. It's a rope style hat. If you're not if you're not watching on YouTube, head to YouTube and look at my hat. I need everyone. If you would wear this I, hat because Jason won't let me buy them. I'm like, dude, no, I want I, a Pope and Young logo on these. I had some of those hats. The 80s was in fine. the 80s. Yeah. You my sister them, said I look like my grandpa. There. And I yes. said, that's that's fine. Uh, so if you would rock this hat, Shoot me an email, Dylan at Pope-Young.org. Send me an email and say, I want that hat because I'm really trying to get Jason to approve a Pope and Young old school grandpa hat. So you're telling me people could rock that hat because you're not, you're not quite saying, pulling it off. I'm just All saying. Right. Should we have people where they send in photo, like whoever sends in the best photo of like a 1980s hat like yes. that? gets something then they can go pick out one of our new hats i like that yeah all right so send it in send a a uh where do you want them to send it dylan dylan at pope-young.org all right dylan at pope-young.org and best so how many best guesses picture? do i have to get for us to for us to order some pope and young rope hats you know you count them up and then we'll figure it out you're right, the marketing director yeses. you tell me yes all right. all right send me some yeses if you would wear this hat all Sorry, right. I had to get those in there, Jay. Yeah, that's okay. So anyway, uh, Ken, back back to polar bears. Now, have have you gotten a polar bear? No, actually, uh, this is all native land, and in that area, yeah. uh, in the areas where we live, there's no hunting. But the uh, the Cree are given uh, tags uh, by the government to, uh, I guess, get rid of nuisance bears. So some years they kill none. 
and they don't have to. So they don't really hunt them. They only kill them if they have to. So uh, one year, I believe, uh, an exceptional year, they killed four. And usually it's um, probably averages to one a year. Uh, there's some really big ones, though. There's three of them I've done that I don't know the weight, but according to the books, they're probably around 1,200 pounds, three big boars. And the um, I measured the skulls for the heck of it. And uh, they go from just almost 28 to a little over 28. So pretty, pretty big bears. Those are big bears. And, and yeah. this is coming from a guy who knows bears. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> I probably it's my, skinned about, yeah. I don't know how many bears I've skinned, but it has to be about 800. <laughs> so give us, Kent, give us a little background. Uh, been a measure since the nineties member since the nineties. So give us a little background about, about you and your experience. So for, okay. Let people get to know uh, you. Okay, I'll do this real quick. My dad was a master mechanic for mine equipment. So when they discover a mine, mine body somewhere, the contractor that he worked for would send him and his family there in the middle of the wilderness somewhere where they find an ore body. And we lived in a shack or a trailer and often without electricity or plumbing. And we would be there for a year, year and a half. And then we'd move back to a town in northwestern Quebec which is called, and uh, where the two sets of grandparents were, spend a few months there and go back in the bush again somewhere. So the, the wilderness was basically my playground. It was rarely a community. Uh, the last community we were living in before we moved to town, so to speak, uh, I was 10 years old and it was, wasn't really a, near the community. It was 16 miles from town across a river with no bridge. <laughs> So uh, when I came to town, like I say, the, the bush was my playground. My mother said she dressed me up and put me outside and was worried a little bit at the beginning, but I always came back. So I guess it was OK. <laughs> and my earliest memories were chasing something with wob I had wobbly legs. I could hardly stand. And here I was trying to catch tadpoles or frogs or anything else. And I started setting rabbit snares and and fishing lines and it's just that the bush was uh, was my life. And uh, then when we moved to town, my father was an avid hunter. He was also a bush pilot in the early years. That's how he met my mother. And so uh, I would see the uh, natives uh, in the bush and the river setting their nets and everything. And then I would see the uh, non-natives. And I noticed they didn't communicate. And I was just a little boy, maybe eight years old. And, uh, and then when we moved to town, when I was about 12 or 13, uh, the uh, Creek kids, James Bay was starting to open up. And so the Creek kids started to come to school with us. And I had a lot in common with them. And so we started hanging out together. And you get to know the boys, you know the girls. And next thing you know, uh, uh, when I was uh, 18, I, I went up north and to get my wife at the community in the village there. And, uh, and we've been together for 51 years. Wow. <laughs> Congratulations. So, That's awesome. Yeah. And my and and my wife was born in 1954, uh, 40 miles from the community in the bush in a tent on the 10th of December. And she was on the trap line until she was nine years old, where she started school. They took her and sent her to other larger native communities where she started uh, the famous residential school system. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah, she remembers uh, being in a cabin and, and crying because she was hungry. And I had some phenomenal stories that my father-in-law would tell me about the old days. And in fact, my dad died. Uh, he was 56. He died in the bush getting ready for moose hunting. 
I was out at my cabin, not far from him, but I didn't know. And so, and my father-in-law died about 10 years ago. So I actually knew my father-in-law for much longer than I knew my father. So I spent uh, good times with him and he was a, uh, a Cree that uh, was also a professional guide. So we had things in common. He was a hunter, trapper, full-time hunter, trapper, fisherman. So Ken, one thing. That's what me and down Jason, here people call that retirement. <laughs> when, when you get to go hunting and fishing full-time, that's usually you have to work your whole life yeah. to get to that. Up there, you yeah. can just do that. That's uh, one, my hat's off to them. One thing that me and Jason have talked about on several occasions with different guests is the idea of not hunting is relatively young, uh, actually really young. So growing up the way you grew up and even living the way you live now, what do you think about the idea of people who say we, we shouldn't hunt? We can't hunt. It's ridiculous because if it wasn't for their ancestors being hunters, they wouldn't be alive today because yeah. they wouldn't be able, the genes would not have advanced. I mean, it's just, it's so silly. It's unbelievable. Hunting is just part of life. It's who we are. And, and people have aptitudes for hunting that they don't even know they have. Some of these city people, you know, th th thankfully, I live in a community where hunting is just part of life. Everyone is a hunter, trapper, fisherman, and a lot of people are not aware of the anti-hunting sentiment in the outside world. So that's one of the reasons I'm a Pope and Young member is they're, they're on the front line defending our way of life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's... You know, thank goodness you're shielded from it somewhat up there. Cause down here, I, I wish I was shielded from it more. And I, I don't, frankly, I'm not in places that have, you know, all my friends for the most part hunt or fish, like yeah. most of the people I'm around hunt or fish. So, so I feel for down here, I'm pretty sheltered, uh, you know, because a lot of places you go to the city and, and they don't even understand. I was getting off of a plane one time and, and, uh, I went, I did, I think it was in Alaska and I had to go wait in line for my, uh, for my gun case. And I don't remember something happened. I had to go ask for, I said, Hey, I need to get my gun case. And some lady looks at me and she said, you brought a gun on an airplane. And I was like, you didn't, how are you? You know, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just for, for, for me, it's just second nature. I mean, for up there, I, it's probably first nature. And for some people, they just don't understand at all. I mean, so. guns are just tools. Yeah, I'm the only um, bow hunter uh, per se. I, I'm not sure if it's uh, of all the communities, M might be the coastal communities anyways, because I know most of the people or a lot of them. But uh, I had started um, uh, a few young boys and uh, I wanted uh, my nephew, my Cree nephew is in charge of culture and recreation in Wiskaganish. And uh, uh, we've been thinking about uh, me seeing I'm starting to slow down there now, uh, passing on uh, and, and teaching archery to the, the young people, the, the young boys uh, and girls. I, I had a few I was teaching a few in our backyard where we lived um, well, it was in that community, but another house. And uh, sadly, one of um, uh, the boys that I was teaching when he was about, I guess, um, Tyler was probably eight or nine eh, when I was uh, eight or nine and he was a, a good bow shot and he ended up drowning fishing when he was 15 years old. Mm. And, uh, mm. I was the one that, uh, he had an epileptic seizure actually and slid into the rapids uh, while he was fishing on the shore. 
And uh, just coincidentally, there was 40 of us looking for him. And I happened to be the one that uh, found his body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a rough place, like I say. And uh, but, I, but we want to I'm trying to promote archery a little more. And um, strangely, that's where it comes from. <laughs> yeah. My father. Yeah. That's my, uh... my father-in-law. Yeah. Anyways, my, my father-in-law told me he had a, a bone arrow when he was young. And he would shoot spruce grouse, which in Cree are called mistukiao, mistukiao. So he would shoot mistukiao from a bow that his father made him, which was probably, um, boy, probably about almost 100 years ago now. So is that yeah. is that the saying up there? It tastes like mistukiao? Mistukiao is a spruce <laughs> grouse. Of, right. Is that, you know, instead of tastes like chicken, it tastes like mistukiao? Is that... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's dark meat though. The spruce grouse. So is if you want white meat, then you got to kill a, a bashki, and a bashki is a rough grouse. Okay. Yeah, bashki is nice. a rough grouse, and so and so then uh, you got we have sharp tails too, and those are called atsku, and then we have ptarmigan, which are called wapiao. <laughs> gotcha. So now, what was when you started bow hunting back in the day? What was the first thing that you took with your bow? Well, uh, you know, like most six-year-old, seven-year-old kids, I used to cut branches and take a string and try to make arrows out of anything I could find that was straight, sometimes even bulrushes. But then when I was about, uh, I guess, probably about 11 years old, uh, my mother or father bought me a, one of those uh, fiberglass longbows. And then I, my dad didn't want me to make noise while we were moose hunting. He started bringing me out moose hunting. I was eight years old. And that was, that's the main animal moose first bear second and caribou third probably but anyways um so i started shooting uh rough grouse and and spruce grouse with my little fiberglass arrow uh while we were moose hunting so it wouldn't make any noise so that was probably the first real game i killed was uh rough grouse and spruce grouse and rabbits rabbits in Cree are called watch watch so so i guess i was killing bashkis mistookiao and watch gotcha <laughs> So now, now back in the day, you're making your own bows, making your own arrows. Then, then you went to the fiberglass longbow. What are you shooting today? Oh, today, um, well, I went from, from a fiberglass longbow to a real, when I was 15, uh, I got a, a real, uh, recurve and I hunted with that, uh, for quite a few years. And then I took a break because I was, um, competing in arm wrestling and raising a family and working. And I was still hunting and fishing like crazy, but uh, we weren't allowed to hunt big game with a bow in those years. So uh, I, I put the bow, not really aside, but I didn't hunt big hey. game with a bow. Ken, could, you say, could you say that one more time? That's something that a lot of people don't understand at all in today's society. So you, which, which part, the part about not being allowed to even use a bow for big game yeah that's right okay the uh quebec uh didn't think that you could kill a big game animal with a bow and arrow i guess <laughs> yeah yeah so then i i like a lot of people the compounds had come out and there were 48 inch uh long compounds with wheels not cams <laughs> so i tried that for a few years when i came back and uh i had sights but i wouldn't really use the sights much so and then I, I just uh, went back to my uh, recurve. I went to my a recurve and then a longbow. Um, first recurve uh, I got from um, Len Cardinelli used to come up and hunt with me. I don't know if you know Len Cardinelli. 
Uh, for the he, name. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, I think he was, well, he's a measure of Pope and Young and one of the first, I guess, one of the original old time Pope and Young guys. And uh, he brought me up a recurve. And then also um, Rob Koffel from Lancaster Archery. He used yeah. to come up. And uh, so he brought me up um, a bow that um, uh, Earl White actually made a sky, sky archery hybrid longbow recurve. Hmm. so so that's when i i really went back into it and then um and that was probably uh boy uh i don't know but i've, I've been hunting steady with a bow probably 35 years and then add 10 years before that so at least anyways it's hard to know because the and then if you add the childhood years of shooting little bow and arrows that you made and stuff like that well it goes more but uh I always just had a, I don't know why, but I take, I, I, today I take my longbow. I've been hunting just with longbows for probably about 30 years. And um, I take my longbow and I go walk in the bush and I feel I'm a kid again. And that's just the way it is. And you're so close to nature and it's quiet and, and you're just part of nature when you're out there with the bow. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, so, and you're, you're not, um, it just you seem to blend in and and what people don't understand is um it, it's some people will tell me oh i you know i have nothing against gun hunting my my family uses guns like i say i'm the only one in Wisconsin hunting with a bow but um uh they'll say oh it's easier or it's better or this and that well hunting with a bow is not how far can you shoot the animal it's how close can you get so yeah. you learn more and that, that's one of the reasons uh, another reason for hunting with a bow and also my guiding is that you become a more efficient hunter and you learn more and more and more. So the easier it is, the less you learn, the harder it is. And I try to make it, I, you know, many, many years, I tried to make it as hard as possible. And I just keep learning more and more and more. So now I'm sure and there's guys out there that know more than I do, but, uh, you know, with what I do, and I'm kind of a versatile outdoorsmen through necessity we we just uh, hunt and fish and i trapped uh, quite a while too and i just have to keep learning everything about nature and the elements and uh, uh rivers and bays and lakes and it's just uh and never and even now I, i'm almost 70 years old and i'm still learning so yeah yeah i appreciate that that mentality of it's not how far you can shoot um Somebody, and I'm not going to name any names because they're popular, but they posted a picture of an elk and they said, opening day, 80 yards, are you shooting? And I'm like, well, it's a stupid question. Like, <laughs> I mean, a lot of things go into that. I mean, and the premise behind it was, if you are going to shoot, how far do you practice out to and blah, blah, blah. And, and I, it just kind of, it didn't upset me, but I'm just kind of like, man, all these people comment on there. Yeah, let her fly. I'm like. Why not try to get closer? Like, can I shoot at 80? Probably. Can I hit that elk at 80? Yeah, probably. But but why not get closer? Like, archery is is a close quarters game, so why just let it fly at 80 and let the hunt end? That's So I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I agree. Now, I feel, yeah. Now, I mean, uh, people ask me. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, that's, I was just curious, you know, you mentioned you're the only one in that neck of the woods using, using a bow and arrow. Now was a bow and arrow. Is that, 
was that one of the traditional Cree tools or was that something that they used? It was. It was a traditional Cree tool. And there is a culture teacher right now there, uh, Reggie Hester. He's Cree. And he, he does teach the kids sometimes. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, I'm thinking that like, they, they were talking to me. A couple of the elders, the community elders, uh, Sandus Wishchi, for one, said that I should teach the Cree because they don't really hunt with a bow anymore. But I do. And one of my friends... You know, I told you, uh, Dylan, that I had gone to a funeral, well, of one of my close friends. Well, he also, he hunted with a compound bow for a while. And a funny story is he told me, yeah, he said he went out with his two nephews and they were out, uh, way out on, on the river somewhere. And he called, he called in a bull, but a cow is with, with it, with it. So anyways, he takes his compound bow. And he makes a pretty good shot. And as soon as the arrow hits the moose, his two nephews open fire with their guns because the moose didn't fall right away. <laughs> I told him, you know, even the best shot there is, moose should turn around and run 20 yards and drop dead. So he didn't have an official bow kill because as soon as the arrow hit, his two nephews opened fire. But uh, yeah, so That's Junior's funny. gone now. Walter, yeah, he... I said bye to Walter there a few weeks ago. And uh, yeah, his, uh, like I told you, Dylan, they asked me to read the eulogy. And that's uh, quite an honor. I was the only, um, out of the hundreds of people there, obviously I was the only non-native, but uh, it's, I'm, I'm used to that. And they kind of accept me as uh, one of the gang. Nice. So, you know. so tell us some some stories. I mean, from a guy who's, who's living up there, um, you know, if you have to, you know, it doesn't have to be the top one, but if you narrow it down, what are, you know, some of the, the top experiences that you've had in a, in a long, long history of being out in the, and not just in the woods, you're in the bush. That's like the next step. A lot of guys go out <laughs> to the woods. You're like, no, I'm, I'm about, you know, 400 miles past the woods. <laughs> well, I guided uh, Caribou between Ungava Bay and Hudson Bay. That was 200 miles by bush plane past the furthest northern Quebec road. I ran a, bear, a, a caribou camp up there for 16 years. In fact, uh, in one of the last years, uh, Glenn Heisey and Larry Strife uh, oh, came yeah. up. Yeah, oh, with yeah. two other guys. I, I forget their names. I'll but, tell uh, you what. Yeah. yeah. You, you want to know anything about Pope and Young, if you have Larry and Glenn there, they know more than anyone else. Th those two guys are a wealth of, of Pope and Young knowledge. So you, you got oh, it yeah, straight yeah. out of the tap right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah when I went to the, um, I've been to two conventions and the one in Alberta and my wife was with me. And then the one in, um, in St. Louis. And uh, I spent a good amount of time there with Larry because we knew each other. Yeah. So uh, stories. Yeah. Well, you were saying about distance and uh, far and close. Well, the closest, like I say, that my two main animals are, are moose and bears and caribou third. And now they close the, um, the caribou season in Quebec for non-natives. But uh, that was, uh, you know, a, a really important animal for us. And then my wife is still allowed. So if we, we always get a moose every year and that's our, our stable meat for the year. Uh, but, um, uh, she, if we, if we do, if we're lacking of meat because we share a lot, then she's allowed to, uh, shoot a couple of caribou, you know, 
So sometimes we'll do that. And uh, but anyways, I, I killed a, a moose at um, five feet, a bull moose. I shot him at five feet with a traditional bow, and then I shot the closest I ever wow. killed a black bear. A big black bear was uh, six feet. And the reason is <laughs> the moose. I had uh, I had took off with a backpack of stuff. I spent ten days in the bush up on a place we call the hill, and um, it was really miserable weather. And I was just with a a canvas and uh, you know, food, a few MR, MREs that uh, military guys I used to guy used to bring me up. I used to like those. So, um, anyways, I was uh, camped out and uh, here and there, walking around, and I sleep anywhere and. I've even slept on top of a beaver dam once because the only dry spot I could find. But anyways, so um, I, um, I I went to this, I found this little marshy, swampy little uh, pond there. And I, I started calling there and and I'll be, the weather turned really nice. And all of a sudden I got an answer uh, out on in, in the bush. And um, so I knew, and then he came and he was between me and the little place I had set up my uh, piece of canvas there in a, a little kind of like a pup tent. And so I just do what I usually do. I took my uh, rain suit out of my pack sack, took my boots off and laid down because it got dark. He came out, but it was too dark for me to shoot. So I just waited. So I spent the night there waiting. And then uh, I heard him once in a while. I'd hear him crashing in the bush. And then when it started getting light, I called. And then he came, and I so I, I approached him, and and it was all tag alders and swamp and everything. So so I, I was in a situation to intercept him, but uh, he actually he turned and came closer to me. So he's walking right for me, and thankfully the breeze was for me, and he came out right right in front of me. But oh, the funny part, the funny thing is, during the night there, there was two bulls, and the bigger bull I didn't get, but during the night. I had, I take off my rubber boots because your feet sweat when you just sleep in the bush anywhere. If you keep your rubber boots on, your feet are going to get cold during the night. So I didn't know, but there was two rut holes behind me with a tree that had fallen down. And it was actually the shape of a moose sort of. And I didn't know that. So, and I didn't see those rut holes either because they were in tall grass behind me. And I had just got there really. So this kind of funny, I, um, I, I had called right until dark and the moose was around. So then uh, I wake up, I'm cold. The whole ground is just frosty, sparkling diamonds all over, just frozen frost. And so my feet got cold. So I get up and I have these, these uh, wool duffels on. So I'm, I'm walking, I'm just kind of stepping, 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 stepping to warm up my toes, my feet. Well, that sounded like something thumping the ground walking. So the next thing, you know, I hear, and all of a sudden I could see it's it's dark, but I could see a little bit. The moose is coming straight for me. And it's a nice bull, probably 45, 50 inch bull. And he comes closer and closer and closer. And then he stops and he starts ripping apart some alders. It sounded like somebody beating the alders with a small canoe. So... (laughs) And, he, and I, I didn't want to scare him away because I said, I want to get him in the morning. So he came and he walked right up to me and uh, thought that I was a cow because there was a cow shape behind me and run holes that he had already probably peed and rolled in, you know. So uh, I, I had my little mag light in my pocket. I took it out and I shined it from he was standing over me 
at probably seven, seven or eight feet away at the most furthest. And I, I shone that light in his eye. And I can see the, all I see is white eye. He's in full rut. And he stopped and his hair was all up on his hump. And he turned and he went, well, I'll tell you, I fear nothing. But my knees were knocking a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, we those moose are pretty big. I've been close to a moose when I was sitting in a vehicle and they're still big. I can imagine just being sitting out in the bush and here's a moose yeah. towering over you. Yeah. So, so then the next morning, we can, the story I was telling before, he came right to me in the alders, uh, the other one that was around, because I called in two. And, uh, and then I, I just pointed, it was first, I never even named. I just pulled my bow back, waited for him to walk directly in front of my arrow and released the arrow. And uh, he took off and it was geese on the pond and they got up and then he, I said, I know I hit him, but I didn't name. And finally, I shot him with a, a snuffer uh, through the top of the heart. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was the closest I ever got a moose. And then I got a bear once at uh, about six feet, a really big bear. And um, oh, we uh, somehow we lost Ken. Apparently, when you live in the middle of nowhere or just about 10 miles east of there, um, Apparently, internet service is not always 100% yeah. guaranteed. So we're going to jump in here. And uh, uh, you, you know, know what's funny is he drove to find internet service, but because he yeah. didn't have anywhere he was and a storm rolled in and then he lost internet service. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's like the other day I was in, in Eastern Oregon trying to find uh, places to, to put up cameras for antelope. And the cell service actually got better when the storm rolled in because <laughs> there are a couple places that, that a week and a half before that I couldn't get cell service where I was trying to put these and yeah. then all of a sudden the storm rolls in and I could get it. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, Jay, was, what's uh? you were just telling me you've got like 14 tags to fill this year. No, what's I've a, got, I do have first one, on your docket. First, I'm going to try to go down and uh, see if I can't find a, a mule deer buck down in Northeastern California. So Very cool. I was down there last weekend, did a little scouting. I, uh, I saw some bucks, nothing that was, you know, noteworthy, nothing hope and young worthy, probably good enough for Jay, but probably yeah. not good enough <laughs> for the buck. So, and, uh, you know, in my remarkable streak of, of forking horns that's you know I'm, I'm inclined to uh to to try to find something better you know i think it was i forget who says it was if you want to shoot the big ones you got to pass the little ones yeah and but the little want, ones always come in i know first. but the little ones are there you know that's the problem is the little ones are there the big ones aren't always there you have to hunt harder to find the big ones you know what's funny is some people think i'm joking like when i talk about shooting small animals and uh you know, just to be funny. And, and I was talking to, I leave my first hunt is an elk hunt, uh, bear hunt combo. And I was talking to the outfitter and, uh, he was telling me about success rates and shot opportunities. And I said, yeah, but what if I'll shoot a, any, like a raghorn, like if it's split at all, I'm shooting. It. And he's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like, you'll be good then. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. That's all that matters. <laughs> like, Hey, you know, it's, uh, it's much just, better than coming home empty handed. I'm telling you, man, that's, that's the thing you have to, I think Alan Bullen said, he says, if you want to shoot the big stuff, you got to be willing to eat a tag. And I'm like, until the last Woo! day, 
<laughs> you know, even then he doesn't even I don't think his, his stuff changed on the last day. I don't think he would take something the last day that he wouldn't take the first day. Yeah. Me, I would. I was like, you know, opening day. I'm like, man, I want to, I want a six point bowl, you know, nice, good mass, good frame. Then like day two, I'm like, well, I'd like it to be a branch bowl. And, you know, by the end of the season, I'm like, man, if a spike looks at me cross-eyed, he's going to hit the dirt. No, that's a, you know, I, I came into this fully expecting. I'm like, well, listen, if it's the last day and all I can shoot is a cow, Austin can put an arrow on a cow. There's no point in, in not getting a, a cow. I mean, yeah. There's no point in, in eating a tag when it's just going to go to waste anyways. So why not get, you know, 150, 175 pounds of meat oh, yeah. and come home? Good meat. Very good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's just me, though. I mean, some people have different ideas, but that's me. Hey, you know, you also have to look at it. You know, Chuck Adams, I consider Chuck to be a pretty good bow hunter. And, you know, he shot that world record Sitka. And you know what? First animal he saw. First buck he saw just happened to be a world. You know, now he's done the research to put himself in the right spot. But still, if I texted you a screenshot, I I texted you a screenshot 364 days to the on the on the dot after he kills that world record, he posts and says, well, I might have another world record. Might have done it again. So I'm excited to see. You notice that's twice in a year that he's potentially shot world records. You'll also notice that that's twice in a year he's been on our podcast. Yeah. Coincidence? I think it's time we run a giveaway. Not a giveaway, but like a... I don't even We got the hat giveaway. We got... You sent a picture of you wearing a goofy hat from the eighties and you know, we're yeah. going to pick somebody to get a hat. So we By got the way, that. Don't forget to, don't forget to send me an email. If you'd rock this hat. Um, cause I need to get these, um, uh, but no, I now, is it something. just a hat like that? Or is it kind of any goofy, old, ugly hat, any goofy, old, ugly hat? Yeah. Is that, so that's, that's the challenge. Yeah. If you have a goofy, old, ugly hat, you take a picture, send it to Dylan and uh, we're going to put you in. We're going to give away some hats. Yeah. No, right. uh, let's do a, sweepstakes of sorts i want to i want to run something to have a a guest on the show like if you like watching the show listening to the show and you want to come on as a guest i i I want what can we do there shoot us an email of like your best fork and horn story (laughs) no um we we have fun on the show we do have some fun and we've had some great people on here um I got it. Here's here's what we'll do. All right. Email us over. If if you're a fan of the show, then you know the one question we always ask is oh. what's the one item you would take? So send me an email, Dylan at pope-young.org, and tell me that that item that you would take that 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 never leaves your pack, that untraditional hunting item that you always have with you. We'll pick the best answer. Me and Jason will pick the best answer and have you on the show with us. How about that? That's not bad. Okay. That's not bad at all. That's uh so send me an email, Dylan at okay. pope youngorg and tell us, tell me and Jason, uh, that one non-traditional hunting item that you always have with you. We'll pick our favorite answer and have you on the show. All right. And uh and just because Lee said Tiffany was what he'd take, that answer is taken. Yeah. You can't no take, take Tiffany. No, <laughs> Tiffany goes with Lee. 
That's that's not it. Now bacon, anybody can have bacon. Anybody. But you know, Tiffany's that's that's Lee's answer. So yeah. Have to come up with your own there. However, uh, as a teenage boy, my answer would have been Tiffany. So <laughs> You know, I don't know if you could have handled it because, you know, that, being around somebody that consistently outshoots you like that. Oh, 100%. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. There's no uh, question about that in my mind. Yeah. That that was, uh, man, that was one of those answers that you just, you know, I wonder if he just said that if she wasn't standing in the next room. Uh, I like to probably. think so. Yeah, yeah I like to think would. so. He's, yeah. He he seemed to be that kind of a guy that's pretty yeah. classy, regardless. Just of who's always around. winning, you know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So that's the deal. You send your answer to Dylan at pope-young.org, and uh, you want a little bio or anything in there with it? Just say, hey, here's why I'd like to come on. Just whatever you want to send Dylan, you send it to Dylan and we're going to pick somebody. We're going to have you on the show and uh, that'll be fun. I'll tell what's you your what, boys, we, what's your boy's name. Uh, Blake. Is that his name? Yeah. Texas? Blake I expect Texas. to see an email from Blake. Texas. Yeah. He better. I mean, he, if he's, if he's not listening after we shout out to him, man, that'd be terrible. I so, expect to see an answer from Blake. Yeah. You may have an answer tomorrow. Cause he last time. Yeah, oh, yeah, he listened to it like the first instantly, 12 minutes. Instantly. Yeah, that was yeah. Axis Archery down there. Yeah. I clicked go live at 8 a.m. and at 8.04, you had an email saying, <laughs> dude. And I'm like, wait a second. How did he get 19 minutes into the show in only four minutes? Yeah. It's pretty incredible. So, now that's good. We've had some great people. And, uh, you know, who's your favorite guest so far? You can God. say it. You can say it. Man, I, we've had so many good ones. And as soon as I answer, like, I have to look at the list because as soon as I'd answer that, then I think, you know, you and I talk about that and we're like, oh, remember this? This was really cool. You know, I, one of the ones that was a lot of fun and, and maybe it's just on my mind. I just ran into him at, at Boone Crockett a couple weeks ago is Brian Butcher. When we had him and his buddies oh, on, yeah. that was just fun. That was just the boys talking about, you know, killing stuff with the bow that that was fun just genuinely i love to root for good people and you get yeah. people like that you know it's just how do you not root for guys like that and so just you know that was a lot of fun and i think just the whole story of how, how i met those guys at convention and you know foot in the mouth which is you know not hard for me to do that's not if I remember thing. correctly, too, we recorded that at like eight o'clock at night. So my time. So, you know, it was only six year time. But yeah. even still, it just had that feeling of like, I'm off the clock. You know, we're just talking. Yeah. Hunting. Like, yeah. So it was fun. Yeah. No, that was a good episode. Um, I think going like he's not a good guest and he's not like he wasn't spectacular as a guest. But Nick Munt changed our life. Like with the uncrustable answer. I don't, uh, yeah. I mean, I think he's changed, you know, the world of bow hunting yeah. with his uncrustables answer. You yeah. know, I know you talked to Nick. Is he coming back on? We ought to get him back. Yeah. On. He's coming back on. We're going to do a follow. Not after he heard me say he's not a good guest, but well, yeah. Um, no, Nick, I didn't say on. that. Jason We're, did not say you weren't a good guest. I think we need to get um, Nick Munt, Mike Waldell, and T Bone all together. That would be a banger of an episode. 
I don't know if we can handle that. I can't. I couldn't. Uh, there'd be like 40 minutes of laughing with a little verbiage in between. I think yeah. is how that would go. They would Those guys. To, yeah. They just listen to giggles with a couple words thrown in. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because those They're guys, a hoop, man. They have a they have a blast, you know. Yeah, and that's that's another one, you know. Michael, uh, we ought to get Michael back on too, because we talked a lot last time. Was a lot of convention stuff, and we're right. excited. Conventions rolling back up on us. And yeah, it is. If if you don't have your tickets because they're not available yet, they will be shortly, and you're gonna want to get them because we've got. Uh, We've got some limitations with the huge last minute turnout um, in 21. We're fully expecting some of our uh, events to sell out. Um, we've already There's got also just a on. few days left to get your um, summer sizzler tickets. Oh. That's some tickets you got to get in on. Yeah, we got to be careful. We're dang near to the end of that. We're going to, we will sell out. I guarantee yeah. you, we will sell out before the end of august um and that goes to the 31st so um yeah that one will sell out we'll have to cut that off here probably in the next i'd say week so but no we it's a lot of a lot of good stuff going on convention rolling up raffles coming up um it's just an exciting time i know we're wrapping the next issue of the ethic uh which will be hitting mailboxes here and before uh before too long I don't, it always takes longer than you ever think it would to go through that process yeah and steve just man he owns that process and does a good job for us and, and we also got the the two book um new book coming out yeah ricky ricky Kruger and his crew are working i mean diligently and this is going to be the biggest best record book we've ever done it is a we've got so much now that it can't go in one book it's a two volume set yeah and it is it's going to be big they've they're putting it together i've seen some of the cover mock-ups and and uh the, the other thing is in the past we ordered a lot of books. I mean, way too many books. And this time we realistically sat down and said, how many books do we think we're going to sell in 12 months? And that's how many books we ordered. So if you want that set, you you know, same thing, you want to pre-order it because it will not be an open-ended edition. Yeah. We're going to have a limited number. We will sell that book out. Um, you know, if there's enough demand, we'll do a second printing, but the way paper prices are right now, it, who knows what that's going to cost by the time we got get to it. Yeah. So what if we, uh, here's, I'm throwing out an idea and I say idea. So if this is bad, we'll edit out and post. If you say, no, that's stupid. Um, what we need to do is we need to get Chuck Adams, Alan Bolin, um, Brian Butcher, anybody who has a world record, a top two, a top three animal that we can easily get. And we need them to all sign the inside of one copy. And then you don't know which copy it is, but one random person's getting a copy with a whole bunch of world record signatures in it. Yeah. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Or or scratch world records. We could just go your Chuck Adams, your Jack Frost, your Tom Miranda. Your, yeah, there you go. Your your <laughs> Michael Waddell, your Jason Roundsville. Yeah. Funny thing is, all those people will be at convention. 
every one of them. Yeah. That's the neat thing is you could literally go sit next to a legend. You could literally go sit next to stinking Jason Rouse of Ely. Yeah. Or Jack Frost. And uh, one of them has one of them has better stories. One of them just is more full of it. (laughs) (laughs) One of them's got better stories, hunting stories. One of them you're gonna have more fun with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. When you when you get I don't know that it's more fun because you get Jack going, that that guy is fun. I I will never forget we were at a restaurant and we were at like a nice restaurant, nice place. And, uh, Jack, you know, he talks the whole time, so he didn't get to eat. So we're already on dessert and he's got a little bit of food left. And I mean, a little bit of food left and that waiter come up to take his plate and buddy, he slapped his hand said, (laughs) said, I'm not done with that yet. I'm going to eat that. And I'm like, that a boy. Like yeah. <laughs> there's lips like one bite left, but he slapped that hand and said, I'm not done with that yet. And yeah. He said, I'm eating that. And I was like, Yes, you are. Great Quiet guy ever. Yeah, yes. great guy. And and he's just he's just one of those people who you know, you look at living legends in the archery world. Here's one of them. And they'll just sit down and yeah, literally start telling stories. And he's got stories. Pick a continent and he's got yeah. stories. You know, yeah, he does pick a state, pick a region, whatever it is. You want to talk about Alaska? You know, that's where he's from. He's got thousands of them. You want to talk about Africa? He's been there and done that. And I mean, just, oh my gosh, just from you, you want to rolling on the floor laughing story. He's got it. You, yeah. you want a jaw dropping. I can't believe that happened to somebody's story. Yeah. He's got that too. So, so Jason, I, uh, I found a new product that you need. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're going to start a product highlight section on this. No, I'm just kidding. So you have this little clip here. It's just a little clip. You clip this anywhere on your backpack, your bino harness, your whatever. Like this clip. And then it's got magnets inside this. Well, then you wrap this part around your, your diet do can. And you can hold your, like on your bino harness, it just holds your do right there. Yeah. Yeah. Really? I saw, I saw Brandon, uh, mountain archery fest, Brandon Waddell. Uh, I saw him rocking this, carrying drinks on his bino harness all week at one of the math shoots. I'm like, I stink and need that. So now when I go out and shoot, I just clip this on my bino harness and I can carry my ice cold drink with me right there on my bino harness while I shoot. Wow. It's pretty cool. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. I'm not one. Uh, you're probably right. I probably do. You know, and if it's worth having, it's worth having two of, right? So here's my can full of liquid. Yeah. Full of liquid. I about dropped it on my computer. <laughs> if you had dropped that, that'd have been even better. There you go. All right. Well, thank you for that product highlight. I'm, I can't wait to get back. The little from, things. Uh, yeah. From from some hunts this uh, in the next month or so I've, I've been trying out some new cameras Our folk, our friends over at Faradine have the, the covert cameras. Yeah. And, uh, we were just talking about, we kid dropped off. He's looking for cell service. So we're, we're chatting. If we can't get him back, then we're going to probably air this anyway. Um, but we're talking about cell cam or, or cameras. I'm sitting here in Western Oregon. I'm a long ways from an antelope and I'm literally getting pictures of antelope coming into some of these different water holes um, as we speak. And it's kind of interesting. I mean, uh, there's actually a rifle season, I think, going on right now. So these things are getting hunted 
and we're still getting pictures of them. I haven't seen the monster That's buck cool. I'm hoping for, but it's still neat to see him come in. So. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well, I don't think we're going to get Ken back. So it isn't looking good. All right. Well, folks, thanks for bearing in with us here and, uh, and sticking it out. Uh, we'll try to get Ken back on at another time. And, uh, in the meantime, make sure you enter your hat picture, make sure that you tell us what your item is because we want to know, and we want to know so much. We want to have you on the podcast to tell us we're not, when we drop the announcement, we're going to make the announcement of who's coming on, but we're not going to tell everybody what they said. Yeah. We're going right. to let them drop that live on. It's got to be good podcast. too. Like I'm not picking, like I'm not picking, you know, it's got to be good. It's got to be good. Yeah. What it's got to be if, Tiffany Lukowski. Good. Oh, I, well, I'm not going to say it's got to be that good. I'm going to say it's got to be, <laughs> it's got to be, you know, somewhere in the realm of bacon or yeah. uncrustables. Yeah. That's, I agree. Yeah. So make sure and send it in. Send it them. in. Uh, appreciate it, folks. Thanks for listening. Um, we couldn't do this without you. And uh, just so you know, every time we hear from a listener, it basically makes our day. So our week. Our, yeah, that's true. So, sometimes longer. Sometimes yeah. a whole, yeah. I'm and just hoping I get know. more than two emails. <laughs> you will. Cause Hopefully. I'm going to send one in. It's like, yes. man. So am I eligible? If I send in a, I hope a you thing? do. I'll interview all of a sudden you, you can interview yourself as a guest, like Will Ferrell in that comedy clip he did where he interviews himself. See, wouldn't that be nice? Cause then I could have two of the three spots on the show. Yeah. That'd be in really good. I, uh, in case I don't talk enough already. Right. Yeah. No, so. I, that'd be good. All right. Well, hey, Dylan, uh, please reach out to Ken. Let him know that uh, we'll we'll have him back on another time. And uh, and everybody, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. And uh, good luck getting ready for bow season. I know for a lot of folks, it is kicking off. Yeah. Right now. now. Yeah. yeah. Actually, today I think was the start of some some Wyoming antelope stuff. So yeah. Anyway, be safe out there and productive and uh, and good luck.